0: Out of the bondage of sin, the destruction that it brought into our life, drawing us near unto yourself, restoring us to relationship with you, changing our whole life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your loving kindness. Holy Spirit we thank you for coming into this place filling the atmosphere but also we thank you that you live on the inside of each and every believer and from that place within us you lead us, you guide us you teach us, you empower us, you anoint us to fulfill what you have ordained and created us to be and to do thank you for the anointing that is here to break every yoke of bondage, to bring healing to the sick, deliverance to the captive, binding up that which is broken. We thank you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak today, that which is necessary to help us to grow by the sincere milk of the word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The eyes of our heart would be flooded with light that we might know What is the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance for us as saints? What is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe? That same miracle-working power that raised you from the dead, the same authoritative power that raised you above every principality, power, might, and dominion. Reveal to us the things that are necessary for us to see. Show us things and teach us and bring understanding to us concerning the kingdom of God, our righteousness. How we rule and reign in this life, in this day, in this generation. That we truly might be that city set on a hill. We truly might be the lights in the midst of darkness. That you might be glorified and that you might be magnified. So we thank you, Father, for this privilege and this opportunity that we have to come together as your body to receive from your word and from your spirit. So we thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart, in every life, by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus, mighty and matchless, majestic name we pray. And everyone who greets it, amen. amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? It's great to see you. Welcome. Uh, I believe God has some great things uh, for us. And uh, wants to equip us to do great things through us. Amen. So why don't you look at somebody next You say, the life of God dwells in me. And the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. We want to welcome everybody who's joining us by live stream. We are glad that you are with us this morning, and uh, praise the Lord. Great things happening, uh, things coming up, as they said, uh, Pastor Mark and Trinan will be with us in uh, March. Brother Jesse's going to be with us, and then you can mark your calendars, uh, July 19th, 20th, and 21st. Um, will be our Stand Men's Conference. And uh, we have created a whole weekend uh, for everybody. And so at our Stand Men's Conference, Addison and Arden Bevere are going to be speaking to the men at our men's conference. Then Saturday night, uh, for the whole community, uh, John Bevere is coming to do a session of his All of God tour. And then Sunday morning... uh, Arden and Addison will be ministering in the services on Sunday morning. So mark your calendars, July 19th, 20th, and 21st. It's going to be a big weekend, not only for the men, uh, but for the whole uh, church body of Christ. And so we're excited about that. And uh, it's always the men's conference has been impactful. And uh, yes. Amen. praise the Lord. It's going to be a great time. Together, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians the second chapter. Hearing all these, uh, all the talk, you know, it just just seems to be how I am. My timing is always just a little bit off. Everybody's talking about Valentine's Day, and so two weeks ago I did a message on covenant love, and so now it's Valentine's week, and I'm I'm changing to a brand new series. And so with everything that we're talking about, did I tell you where to turn your Bible? Turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter two. And um, so, it's just been stirring on my heart, even as we entered into the new year, uh, the word uh, on January or December 31st that the Lord brought, and then seeing what others have said concerning the year that's upon us, and really in the world, that there will be uh, tumultuous times, turbulent times, different times, but God will lead the church in the midst of all of that. There will be a, a something significant happening within the church body that really God has planned to bring in uh, terms of revival, uh, many different aspects of that. And so, you know, as we look at and reference has been made even with the guests that are here, you know, our uh, last year, uh, some of our foundational texts, Proverbs chapter three, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will Direct your paths. In Psalms 37 where it says, trust in the Lord, right? Dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in him and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways unto him and he will establish them over and over. So as we look at that, you know, it can look like all kinds of things are happening. But God says, I want you to draw near to me. I want you to to involve yourself personally with me and to have an understanding. And so I've entitled this series Righteousness, Peace, and Joy in the Holy Ghost. So if you know the scripture, that's not a really uh, unique title. It might even sound boring and might not sound contemporary enough, but really it's speaking of the kingdom of God. Yeah. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot about the kingdom of God, but over the next couple of weeks, we want to break down and we want to talk a little bit about the kingdom of God. And when we start to understand a little bit more about the kingdom of God, then we'll begin to understand the factors or, or those things that are up there righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost that really begin to help us navigate, and I believe will help us the understanding of it navigate the year that we're moving into, the times that we're moving into. Though everything would be tumultuous around us, though the kingdom of this world, uh, the dictates of it may. Be going one direction, the kingdom of God, going in an upflow, so to speak, going against the tide, right? In such a force that it would try to take everybody who's trying to go upstream, push them downstream with the flow. But God didn't determine for us to go downstream with the flow of this world, but has given us the ability and the strength to move against the flow of this world, to set up and to make recognizable the kingdom of our God. And as Pastor Tasha said, many are talking about the shaking that will go on from Hebrews chapter 12, that there has been a shaking on earth, but there will be even a shaking from heaven, that anything that can be shaken will be shaken. But when the shaking stops, there will be those things that remain. How many of you want to remain after a shaking? right? We want to be those things that remain, that when everything else shakes, there's something that stands out. You ever seen those, those news photos, those helicopters fly over after a tornado is hit, and the odd thing is, you know, you see a lot of stuff that's devastated, but what catches your eye is that house over here in the midst of everything blown down that's still standing, or that row of houses or buildings that's still standing. In other words, what really stands out is what remains... Not what's blown down. So if one thing is blown down in the midst of stuff that's standing, then that's what stands out. Wow, that one thing got blown down. But when everything is shaken apart, it's what remains that will stand out. And so even in the midst of maybe difficult times within the world, God wants you to stand out. God wants his church to stand out because he's given us governing forces that will cause us to overcome and to stand out. He's given us in his word the understanding that we have been made more than conquerors. That he always causes us to triumph. He's given us the victory through Jesus Christ. He's told us those things. You don't get those things without some resistance. You don't get those things without things contesting that. You don't get those things without a battle. You don't get those things without shaking. So sometimes we just think, well, what's happening? I feel contested. I feel like times are difficult. But he said, listen, times will be difficult. They will come, but I have equipped you with something that is greater than what will come against you. That there's a power of God, as Paul said, that resides on the inside of you. And the power that is within you will be greater than any power that comes against you. Amen. Amen. Come on. Yeah. That's right. So as we begin to define a few of these things, hopefully it will bring a greater understanding, some wisdom from God to comprehend that. So that not just when we come together like, uh uh-uh, but there's something settling down on the inside of you that when things begin to come against you, come against the plan of God, things begin to shake around you, you realize everything is shaking around me and I can feel the vibration of it, but I am founded on something much more solid that while everything is shaking and I can watch it shaking and it feels weird, for a moment I realize I am not shaken. right? It's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? You ever been sitting still, kind of just not paying attention, but just kind of sitting there and you're sitting still maybe at a stop sign or something, not paying attention. And then something next to you starts to move. And you're like, whoa. And you put your foot on the brake or something because you think you're rolling, but you're not. It's what's next to you that's rolling. So listen, church, there's going to be things that are going on in the world that will make you think, oh my God, I'm shaking, but just stop for a minute, be patient, and you'll realize everything around me is shaking, but I'm not shaking because there's something that is governing my life in the course of it that is greater than what is governing this world. All right, so Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he said, And you he made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted our lives. Somebody say once conducted our lives. Ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, but God, God. God. who is rich in mercy because of his great love. So everything that we're going to talk about, you have to connect to what we have been talking about. Covenant, covenant because of his covenant love. Because he's rich in covenant love, he sent Jesus to die for us. Right. So he says, "You were once you were once held captive. You were once governed too in your whole life by the course of this world, and the course of this world is dictated to by the prince of the power of the air, the enemy, the devil, who works." in the offspring or the sons of Adam's disobedience, right? So there is a dominion or a kingdom that has taken a hold because of Adam that is governing a course of this world. He said, you were once that way. We were all once under this domain that was produced from Adam's sin. But he said, you have to recognize, clearly recognize that you are no longer under that domain. Amen. So the fight's on. Even in the church, the fight's on. As we begin to talk about these things, as we begin to talk about righteousness, there's things that are on. There's people that will, even in the church, that will try to plant seeds unknowingly to keep you in a sin consciousness. Because the enemy knows that as long as you are conscious of that sin, That allows you to be governed to and dictated by that sin. He has control. But the moment that you understand righteousness. Properly understand righteousness. That is broken. You once were dictated that way. But no more. No more. And to get the understanding of righteousness. And the fullness of the righteousness that has been bestowed upon us. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about justification. Because it's very important to understand how justification came to you. Because if you don't understand how you were justified, and what justification actually means to you, it'll be difficult to wrap your head around righteousness. But when you understand how you were justified, then you will separate yourself from that bondage of sin, and understand and live in the righteousness that God provides. And so he goes on to talk about this salvation that comes through Christ. I'm just going to take a little bit of a moment being very elementary to try to lay some groundwork to bring us into this. But Romans chapter 10, he says, by grace, you were saved through faith that not of yourselves, Lest anyone should boast. It's an important part of what we're going to be talking about that we know this very well. It's by grace that you were saved, by God's uh, uh, innumerable or unmerited favor. But not only that, it was by God's power and God's ability that you were saved. God's grace, His favor, His ability, and by His influence. Not your own, not mine but God's and to understand that it wasn't mine it was his just get that in our thinking not not up here in your reasoning down here in your heart to realize no it wasn't me it wasn't me if we can break that thing to well you know I'm still a good person we've said this before it prevails in the church when you messed up you know listen people are all over and the church is all over and listen I'm just gonna be honest I'm not perfect I still sin. But at least, come on, at least I'm not as bad as others. Oh my God. Have we taken the blood of Jesus and thrown it on the ground and walked on it by coming to that mentality that at least I'm not as bad as somebody else. The blood of Jesus purchased so much more. But see, sin consciousness Will get you to compare yourselves by yourselves and lose the wisdom of God. Righteousness is so much more powerful and it's so much more demanding and it's so much more uh, incredible. I don't know, there's, no, there's not enough words to describe righteousness to take it and bring it back after the blood of Jesus to self righteousness. I'm not as bad as somebody else. And call that honesty. No, you're lying. So listen, I'm not trying to be harsh. But when you do that and you lie, the enemy continues to have dominion. Once we break that and realize, come on now, Jesus did something extraordinary in my life. I'm not going to excuse my sin. I'm going to understand it's been washed away. Come on. And there'll be all kinds of things and you'll read different places. Who do those people think they are? I think I'm the redeemed of the Lord and I think I'll just say so. Right? And hopefully I'll communicate this well enough that you will understand that by saying you are the righteousness of God in Christ and really understand it, That when anybody says, you can't say you're righteous, you say, bless God, I can't. Not because I'm righteous. He made me righteous. And my righteousness is his, it's not mine. And when you realize, wow, what I have didn't come from my doing, it came from his doing. And not only did it come from his doing, it came when his very nature of rightness was brought into me to set everything about me right. Man, if we'll get a revelation of it. So just get ready for a lot of thoughts bombarding you. Because for us to get this, The enemy is shaking in his boots. He will have no more place to govern your thoughts, to lead you down the wrong path in the revelation of his righteousness. And so when we begin, we start to understand this it's by grace, here you say, through faith, not that of yourselves. So we can't boast in us, we boast in him. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Praise God for the blood. I mean, Paul, the apostle Paul got something about the blood. He would always say, listen, if I did anything good, it's not my fault. It's his fault. But if I've done anything bad, that's probably me making a mistake. See, we reverse it. We're like, if I did anything good, give me the credit. But if I did anything bad, it's not my fault. But see, you got something else, right? It's not about me. Jesus has done something extraordinary, not just for me, in me, in me. If I can tap into in the next couple of weeks, what's going on in us, more than what's going on around us, you'll see that you are like the tip of the spear going into your situation. Right? You're not the victim, you're the victor. You're not the tail, you're the head. You're not beneath, you're above. (laughs) Glory to God. All right, so I got to get to, this was so formulated into a teaching. I try, I try. All right, Romans chapter 10, listen to this. Verse 8. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole and prospered. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with a mouth confession is made unto Salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon his name. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he says, whoever believes in their heart that Jesus died for their sin, he shed his blood for them. He paid the price. We'll get into that. He paid the price. You didn't pay the price. He paid the price. So when he paid the price, something happened to work salvation. It was called redemption. Redemption, the price needed to pay for your life. So when you say, I receive this, I believe this, and I receive this, what you're saying is, listen, I understand a price needed to be paid, and I receive that. So it's a weak analogy, but if you go to buy something, you know, at the store, you go to buy a car, right, and you start to work around, once they say, this is the final price, and if you want it, then you pay the price, and then you receive the automobile. You receive what the price paid for, and then you begin to drive it. You don't say, well, I paid for that, but I'm driving the old junker. No, I received that, so now I'm driving what I received the price paid. In other words, an exchange was made. So the price was paid, the blood of Jesus, for your life. So when you said, I believe that, and I receive that price paid, then your life is no longer your own. Your life is no longer your own. It belongs to him which is a good deal because he's the manufacturer he's the creator he realized he made you so extraordinary and when sin took a hold of you it started to put you on the junk heap where you should have been in God's house clean shine waxed kept clean driven for the right thing brought back in wiped down shining The enemy just took you and parked you out in the weather, in the sun, till you were broke down. He drove you where you weren't supposed to go. And all the parts started to get shaky and wore off. And God said, this is a mess. I'm going to buy you back. I'm going to bring you in. And I'm going to totally restore you. You can find an old... 60 to 70s model Bronco right now, and you can find it in a place uh, rusted, broke down, and it'll cost you more than you ever thought you would need to pay. Why? Because people know, if I could get a hold of that and not leave it like it is, but restore it to look like new, it will be worth so much more. In the blood of Jesus, God said, I'm going to buy you back and I'm going to restore you. Thank you Jesus. And you're going to be so much more valuable under my kingdom than you have been enslaved by sin. So when he saved you, he brought you out and he redeemed you. Amen. He redeemed you. That means to buy back or to, pers- or to ransom you back. And so when you said, I accept that, I believe he died for my sin. I believe he raised from the dead. I believe he hung on the cross and shed his blood for me to be saved. Once you receive that, it doesn't mark on you, check mark, you'll stay the same, but you get to go to heaven. No, he said, once you receive that, you're mine. Come on. Yeah. So because you're mine, you'll live with me forever. But let's not wait until you leave this body to live together. Because we're in covenant now. We're married. We're in union. So quit waiting until you leave this body. To have union. And to understand in this union, in this oneness, something powerful is working on the inside of you. So Revelation chapter 5, starting in verse 8, it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You, the lamb, are worthy to take the scroll, open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests unto our God. He said you were redeemed with a divine purpose. You were redeemed to begin to reign as kings. Kings in life. Come on, I'm preaching better than your amen. You were redeemed. Your life was bought by the blood of Jesus, no longer to be reigned over, no longer to be subject to, but begin to reign in life, to reign over addiction, to reign over worry, to reign over stress, to reign over immorality, to reign over sexual desires. You were created in God. You were bought back to reign in life, not be reigned over. Come on, the most valuable thing ever, ever brought forth in history, the blood of Jesus. Purchased you with a divine purpose. And that divine purpose was not simply location. That when I leave this body, I get to go to a place called heaven. But it was to restore something from the very beginning. That you might reign. It was to restore the kingdom of to its rightful place, the kingdom of heaven. So Romans chapter 14, this will be our foundational text, Romans chapter 14. We're just introducing it. I thought this was going to be simple. <laughs> told Pastor Tasha last night, she said, how did it go? I said, man, it's blowing up on me. It's everywhere. Everywhere you look in Scripture. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Right? So Romans chapter 14 verse 17, a little bit you can go read it, backstory. People are, are, are thinking about their freedom, and they're doing whatever they want to and inconsiderate of one another, and they're talking about whether you can eat meat or not eat meat and all the, the, the things that really are, we don't understand according to culture, except for we still do things simply because we think we have the right to. But he's saying, you need to take consideration of others and the effect that things have on others. Because the kingdom of God, here it says the kingdom of God. Somebody say the kingdom of God. Yeah. It says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is not about all the rules and regulations that you might try to impose upon each other. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God. A lot of people have talked about the kingdom of God and, and trying to bring it into perspective. We're just going to talk about it a little bit. There's a lot of thoughts about the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, some people, you know, when they start talking about the kingdom of God, they try to separate it and they say, you know what? We, we need to get away from church culture and get into kingdom culture. Where church culture is kingdom culture. Right. It is. Without the church, there's really no kingdom. Right. So the church might have to change its idea a little bit. But the church is to have kingdom culture. But if we're talking about a kingdom culture that we don't really understand what kingdom is, then we just start talking down the wrong road, right? And so the whole Gospels about Jesus and and portraying what Jesus, all Jesus talked about in the Gospels was the kingdom, the kingdom. His parables were the kingdom is light. So I don't know how much we'll get to that. That might be another series of messages, but the kingdom is like. So he continually was trying to say, this is what the kingdom is like. So John the Baptist started this. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, repent, write that down in your notes, highlight it, underline it, because it's important when we start coming to justification. Repent, why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said that same thing. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, so repent. In Matthew chapter 6 and Luke 11, Jesus said, pray that his kingdom would come and his will be done, right? Well, why do you say that? Well, the only way his will can be done on earth as it is in heaven is if his kingdom comes, if his kingdom comes. We're going to explain kingdom in just a moment because we think about that. If we start to think like the disciples, well, his kingdom come where all of a sudden this natural idea of kingdom is set up. Well, then we're looking for that. But when we start to understand that his kingdom has come for the purpose of his will being done. So Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, he says, the kingdom of God. He was talking to the Pharisees and he says, the kingdom of God does not come by observation, but the kingdom is within you. The kingdom of God is within you or the kingdom of heaven. So listen, the kingdom of heaven, I think that throws us off a lot, but the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ are all synonymous So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we're not just talking about it's a location out there somewhere, but it is the kingdom of God or the domain that God lives in. And so these things seemingly tied together over and over, Mark or Matthew, the sixth chapter, Matthew, the sixth chapter, Jesus talking about what can totally occupy our life and our mind, what we're going to eat what we're going to drink, what we're going to put on. He said, it can totally occupy your mind. It can cause you to worry about it over and over. But, in verse 33, he says, but seek first. Somebody say, seek first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There it is again. The kingdom and righteousness. The kingdom and righteousness. Righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He already knows what you have need of. He's already seen it. So when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says all these things. He said, get your focus on the right thing. First things first. Pastor Tosh talked about first things first in prayer. Putting first things first. Too, too often, we get the need far ahead of the need meter. Come on. That's so good. <laughs> we get the concern of healing far ahead of the healer. Yeah. We get the provision in our mind far ahead of the provider. Come on. Yeah. That's good. Why? Because we feel it. Naturally, we feel the need. We feel the the sickness, the pain, the disease. We see, oh my gosh, how are we going to make it? But even in managing, as Pastor Marshall said, the trust, he said, there's got to be a place if we're going to manage the trust that we actually get things in the proper order. So he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I've heard people say this. What do you want me to do? Seek first the kingdom? You want me to just always think about heaven first? Well, that would be good, except for he's not just thinking about think about a location or seek a location. Yeah. Yep. That's not what he's talking about. So, uh, the, the word kingdom there is a Greek word, basilius. basileus, right? And it doesn't mean this is really, uh, we can put a definition. It's the, the concept of ki- the kingdom of God is not primarily one of space, territory or politics, as in a national kingdom. It's not the kingdom of God. We're not thinking about space. We're not thinking about territory. But the kingdom of God here, this word, is one of kingly rule, reign, and sovereign control. Another place says the kingdom of God is that realm. It's a different realm. It's a realm where God... Rules. simple kingdom is it's the domain where the king is king the king rules so when it says the kingdom of God is to be in you he's saying that at the new birth he moves in and you are now subject to his rule not his rules his rule his reign, which is an awesome thing if we can convey it right. Because some people are like, wow. You know, when we were in uh, Turkey and we were ministering the gospel to people in Turkey and they were, we were talking to them, they already have a religion, a strong religion that they come from and they said, why would we change one uh, overbearing God for another. Right? And that's what some people think. Well, if I'm going to be under the rule of something. Mm-hmm. In our natural mind, our sin consciousness says, well, why don't I just make my own decisions? Well, you don't want to be under the rule of sin. Right. That's right. So we come under the domain of God. Which is much better. And there's actually freedom in it. It says, well, we're slaves of God. We're under his domain. We're under his rule. We're under his kinship. How could that, kingship, how can that make freedom? Because he is our creator and so under his rule he will guide us in the very way that we were created to live which is actually freedom being able to be what you were created to be and we yield to him because we could go off track not knowing fully what we were created to be so when we don't know we subject ourselves to him and he brings us right into what we were created to to be. Amen. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we begin to understand that something has happened and something is happening. And there's only two aspects of this life that we live, that you are either under the dominion of sin and darkness, or you are under the dominion of the kingdom of God. And God said, under salvation, you live, if you understand, if I understand, we live in the domain where God reigns, supreme. Now listen, if God reigns supreme in us, then everything we do, the power and authority of God is released from us to create what God has ordained to create. I'm just going to ask this question for you to think about, and then we'll move on a little bit. How many times when things don't go the way that you think they should go, you start to think, what have I done wrong? When sickness attacks your body, when is it that you, after a few confessions, go, what have I done wrong? So sin consciousness really does have a hold of us. Because the first thing we go to is not to him and say, okay, show me. Show me what you've created me to do. Show me where I become more like you. We immediately start trying to figure out the mess that we've created. So sin consciousness robs us. One writer said, uh, every spiritual failure can be tracked back to sin consciousness. The sin consciousness creates within us the insecurity and inferiority that keeps us from stepping into what God has for us right now. Sin consciousness will always put the blessings of God out there when we get to heaven rather than understanding that they are for us right now to live in dominion. Turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Praise the Lord. I believe it'll be a natural response. As God gives us revelation to this, as we walk through this, a natural response that the enemy will come at you with things that he has, he has knocked you off track, that you thought are normal, that you've thought, I just can't help it. I've done this for so long, or it's been in my family for so long. It's my mama did it, my grandmama did it, my great-grandmama did it. It's just been in our family for so long. That when you start to understand this, the next time it comes, you recognize what it's trying to do. And you say, No more. No more. Not in my life. Not in my house. And when that voice says, What makes you think? You say, I don't think. I'm not thinking anymore. I know this is not who I am and this is not what I do. He'll say, but you've done it all your life. No more. I didn't know who I was and I was bound by the consciousness of sin that bound me. But no longer. Because I've truly recognized that I'm free. And I have the power of the kingdom. Amen. Come on. So in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, We give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He qualified you. You don't have to keep saying, I got to do something more. He qualified you to partake of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has, has already has already delivered you from the power or the domain of darkness. Already. He already did it. He already broke the power. He already raised from the dead. He already led a triumphal parade. He already made an open show. He already stripped all principality, power, might, and dominion of all power. He already did it. The devil's counting on the fact that we don't know it. We might ascribe to it, but we don't know it. He's concerned that the moment that we know that we've been delivered, delivered through the purchased price, the redemption, we were bought, rescued, out of his domain and his power. And we were conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love. And it's in him that we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sin. When we go from the forgiveness of sin, we look at the covenant, we look at the washing, and not only we were forgiven, but we were washed. Sin was expelled. The memory of it was lost in the sea of forgetfulness in the mind of God. So he broke the power of darkness and conveyed us into his domain. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Verse 14. He's just shared all this awesome stuff. We'll get into it as we go. We'll share more of Romans 6. But here he just makes this statement that I want to make sure you walk out of here with and you can go back to it. For sin shall not, he's emphatic right here, sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. If you're not under law, you're under grace. Man, when you start to understand the power of grace, power of grace and righteousness and redemption. They're not religious words. They are weapons by which we reign over the strategies of the enemy. They're not just religious terms. So listen to this. I love this. Second Peter chapter one. Again, these have scriptures surrounding you can go look at them, but I'm getting to the intent to understand this thing about the kingdom. And it goes on and on and on about the kingdom and this rule of God, this domain of God that we are to live in and that lives in us. So that we are no longer dictated to by the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That we're no longer dictated to by the course of this world that's working in the psychology and the minds of others. We're no longer adopting it. We're no longer letting it in. But we have the rule of God. We have the dominion of God. We're confident in the dominion of God. We understand that dominion has to do with righteousness, which we can't get into today. But he lines out actually the development process of righteousness in our life. And so he says, after these things, he says, for if these things, verse 8, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never... You will never, you will never. How many of you believe God's word is true? Amen. All right, half of you, because you think it's a true Christian. God's word is true. Every time it's true. He said, if these things are yours, you're diligent to make your call and election sure, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Kenneth Reese's translation says it this way, if these things are yours and abound, you're more diligent to make your call and election sure. You'll never stumble. In this way, the entrance shall be richly provided for you into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. So he said, if we're not careful, we get to work in these things to what? Get to heaven. But he said, no, when these things are yours, when you begin to understand the development of this rightness, this rightness of character, this rightness of life, you enjoin yourself into a oneness of Jesus. And when you're diligent about that, all of a sudden you're in that place where you step over into that threshold of the dominion of God. You no longer are being battered around by life and stumbling over every block that comes your way. But because these things have been implemented, uh, these things of righteousness have been implemented, he says all of a sudden you enter into a place where the dominion of God exists every single day of your life. So as we enter into turbulent times that will try to toss you to and fro and you look at the way the world's going and the troubling things come up, do I go that way? Do I not go that way? What way do I go? You stop for a minute and say, wait a minute. I'm not shaking. I'm on a firm foundation. Stop just a minute. I know what to do. I know what to declare. I know what to command. I know what next step to take. And it doesn't matter if the flow's going this way. God's commanded me for it to go this way. And I can do it, not because I'm something, but because he's in me and he has dominion. And because he has dominion, through righteousness, peace, and joy, I have Dominion. So listen, Romans five seventeen. Okay, we can't go there. Let's just close. Why don't you stand up? You'll have to come back next week. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the sacrifice of your blood. Thank you for the sacrifice of your blood. Holy Spirit, give us wisdom. Give us revelation. And the knowledge of you, this subject. That each and every person here. Whether there's many areas, one area. Just a difficult area that comes every now and then that seems to capture the attention and begins to rule over the mind, the heart, the actions, even though we don't want it to, it seems to. You'd give us a greater revelation of the kingdom of God. As we move forward into our week and into the days to come, through that revelation sin in any facet any form will not have dominion over this people your people that the lie that we bought into that we'll never get over the hump until we're gone would be dispelled the truth of who we are right now the power and authority we possess right now over the strategies of the enemy would become more and more evident as the enemy begins to rule in areas of this world that would seem strange to us. We are not dissuaded. We are not distracted. We will not allow a lie to pull us off track or a desire of our own natural man. But we'll understand that in our full submission to you, you give us the authority to fulfill our divine destiny, the freedom to become who you created us to be. That we would understand the joy and the power of living in righteousness and peace and how that gives us such dominion over the strategies of the enemy. We thank you, we glorify you, we magnify you, God. Holy Spirit, teach us, even as we go from this place, teach us, continue to work in our hearts. Continue to show us the rule, the power, the authority that we have in our life to execute your will in our life and in the earth, in our generation. Oh, God, in all of its facets, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll have altar workers up here to pray for you if you need prayer for anything. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you haven't prayed that prayer from Romans chapter 10, believe in your heart, call Jesus Lord with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He said, you'll be saved. That's where the whole process begins, that he begins to break down sin, you have dominion with him in life. If you've not prayed that prayer, just come up here tell them, I need to pray that prayer. I need to be saved. They'll pray with you. You can leave here today knowing you're a child of God, that the kingdom of God has come to live on the inside of you. The sin will no longer have dominion. Amen? Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight. I talk myself out of seeing miracles. You are more.